like those people that worked in the bus ministry, they were just ordinary people doing what they knew how to do, right? Mm -hmm. If you sat down with any of them and said, hey, are you a disciple maker? They would be like, no, I'm a bus driver. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. Right. I, I'm just doing what I know I need to do. So, um, so I think sometimes God uses us for the long haul with one decide, one person that we're discipling and we're going to be with them for a while and we're we're helping them grow in their faith, right? And then sometimes God just uses us on the spot to do a job that we know we need to do, right? And so all of us need to, all of those of us who know Christ as our Savior, anyone who names the name of Christ needs to be actively serving in ministry in some capacity. Yeah. Now that means ordinary people doing the things they know how to do. Welcome to the Right This Way podcast. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Today we are launching our first interview episode where we sit down with followers of Jesus and talk to them about the people who invested in their walk with Jesus and were used by God to make them into the disciples that they are today. These episodes will bring so much value for your efforts to make disciples as we will unpack the practical ways that God impacted their lives through the willing obedience of believers doing their best to fulfill the calling of God to go and make disciples. Our prayer is that you will be able to see how simple it is for you to impact the lives of those around you for the kingdom of God. So let's dive right into our conversation with Bob and Dorinda Bennett right this way. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of the podcast. We're grateful that you've been on the journey with us so far in the first couple episodes. Today we have our, our first interview guest. So welcome, Bob and Dorinda Bennett, um, i.e. mom and dad. Thank you for uh, flying in all the way from Pennsylvania just to be on our podcast. I'm so mm. glad that this was the 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 only reason that you came to Waycross oh, no. and Blackshear was for the podcast. So I appreciate um, it. Well, there might have been some grandkids yeah. involved. There are probably three, maybe five reasons yeah. that you're here in person. And we're just taking advantage of the opportunity that you're yeah. here. Um, and we wanted to talk to you because of how long that you have been working with disciple makers. Our, our podcast is designed to help equip and simplify and help give the average member of a church, the average follower of Jesus, ownership over the disciple making calling that God has placed on our lives. And, and you've spent uh, now all, over 25 years yes. working to equip disciple makers. Um, so we just wanted to kind of take a little bit of time and, and um, take advantage of the opportunity while you're here to to kind of gain some some insight and some wisdom from the time that you've spent. Um, but first, something that we're going to want to do with all of our people that we have here is I want to just kind of take a a couple minutes to um, just kind of give us a, a glimpse into your um, discipleship, your relationship with Christ, your journey, your walk with Christ, and who who was who are the disciple makers in your life, and what did they do that made the impact? So you guys can do rock paper scissors on who wants to go first, no, no. but go ahead. We'll do ladies first. All right, okay. all right, excellent. <laughs> all right. Well, my my discipleship journey is is fairly simple. Um, went to church most of my life in a, in a denomination that didn't highly value discipleship. Um, wasn't until I was 13 that we moved to a church where they actually thought about it. Um, so really didn't come to know the Lord for my own personal Savior until I was 16. Mm -hmm. So I would say that youth leaders at our church had a great impact in my life. Um, they didn't wait until I was perfect to help me to bring me into working alongside them and just seeing them walk their lives. Mm. They just let me follow along. Right. Um, when they, were, when they let you follow along, that means that they help, they let you help serve with them. They, they let they, me help serve. They let me teach, uh, with instruction. They, they gave me constructive tips and criticisms along the way. Um, they never made me feel like I was doing something wrong. Hmm. but that I could do it something, do something better. Hmm. And it, that's the way it's been all my life. Just people letting me follow along and do with them the ministry until I could do it on my own. 
Yeah, that's 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 really cool. The idea that because most of the time we let the we we have our people and that's one of the hurdles that you see a lot of times in um, people making disciples is I don't I don't know it all. I don't know the answers that they're going to ask me. I don't know how to make disciples. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know the, if, if they ask me a question, I don't know the answer to it. I'm going to, I'm going to back away and I'm going to get too nervous. And so we don't even, we don't even start the process. Right. right? I think the best disciplers in my life and, it, and the list is so long that I don't want to start naming names, but the best people that worked with me, we figured out the answers together. Yeah. Wow. Instead yeah. of, instead of them thinking they had to know it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- you know, from, I, you know, I talk about it from my sales background, but when I used to sell cars, if I if I didn't if I didn't have the correct answer, the worst thing in the world I could do was make up an answer and act like correct. I had the answer. Correct. The the best thing I could do was say, I, I don't know, but I can find out. Right. Like we can and, find out together. And as a teenager <clears throat> and working with teenagers, they know you're making up an answer. Yeah. yeah. So you so you have to be real with them. That's that's the best way to be a disciple maker. Well, um, my discipleship journey was a little bit different than Tom's. Uh, when I was a kid, we didn't go to church. My parents weren't teaching me anything about Jesus, really. Um, both my parents, your grandparents, uh, would have told you that they knew the Lord as their Savior. They did tell me that a number of times, and and I believe that, but they didn't they didn't have any confidence to know how to teach that to their kids or to that they even should do that. Right. And so, um, the church in our community started a bus ministry. Hmm. And so, uh, we've, we've tried to figure out exactly how old I was when I first started riding a bus. And I can't remember uh, exactly how old I was, but, but I remember two ladies stopping at our house and talking to my mom about how they were starting a bus ministry. They were going to go right by my house, and uh, they'd like to invite all the kids in the neighborhood to ride the bus and and come to church on Sunday morning. And my mom talked to the ladies and said, you know, I, I'm not going to force my son to go to church because my parents did that, and I hated it. But if he wants to go to church on Sunday morning, I'll make sure he's ready. And if he's out at the end of the driveway, you're welcome to pick him up on the bus. And then... As soon as those two ladies got back in their car and drove away, my mom turned to me and pointed her finger at me and said, I think you should go to church. (laughs) She wanted me to go, but she just didn't, uh, she didn't want that bad enough for her to get up on Sunday morning and (laughs) get over her. Uh, She was hurt by the church and hurt by the legalism and things that had happened at that very same church under different direction. But at that very same church, 30, 40 years earlier, she was turned off. Yeah. Right. But, but she also knew I needed to hear about Jesus. Maybe she just wanted a little piece of quiet. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, but she was willing to let me ride the church bus. That's when I first ran, ran into people who cared about me and wanted to teach me about Jesus and see me grow in my faith. Because these people would... Uh, work really hard uh, to keep the buses running and to come out and drive the buses to, you know, play their guitar and do puppets on the bus while we're bouncing up and down mm-hmm. on the dirt roads out in Western Pennsylvania. Um, they would, they would be reaching out to us and making us feel welcome, making us feel like we are, you know, a part of this group. Right. So that was my introduction to someone who was a disciple maker. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, uh, as I, after I trusted Jesus as my savior, then I began to try to grow in my faith. And there was a lot of, like, I had Sunday school teachers and people in my life, youth leaders, like your mom talked about, uh, the same youth leaders, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, the difference was your mom was one of the good church kids (laughs) and I was one of the bus kids. Right. And I felt in my heart that I I felt that difference. Mm. And I felt like, well, there was, we didn't see that. Yeah. Nobody intended for that to happen, but I, yeah, yeah. 
Like I knew how bad of a kid. I mean, I knew how bad my sins were. I I knew what I needed to be forgiven of. I I carried this weight with me, and so I never really got involved in youth group or any of those kind of things. I just kept riding the bus, and then when I finally got old enough to drive, I remember asking my parents if I could borrow a car to drive to church. And my parents thought, sure, I was going somewhere else or you know, something else, but. But no, they they actually checked up on me, and I was at church, you know. So, um, so then, then there were some men in the church who who did specifically reach out to me. Mm. Um, they took me fishing. They they did things with me. Uh, my dad was much older, uh, you know, when I was born, so he he wasn't at. Uh, let's go out catch in the backyard. So some of these men in the church, they just they just knew I was a bus kid, uh, knew that I needed you know somebody to be a mentor to to work with. So, but they didn't they didn't just sit you down at a table and go through a Bible study like right. you said. They took you fishing and and had conversations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until I asked for it, I don't right. remember anybody doing that. I I do remember one time uh, I was 19 years old and I had. Um, by that point, I'd already gotten my bus driving license so I could drive the bus because I felt I needed to give back to the ministry that meant so much to me. And um, our pastor came to me and said, hey, I, I want to send the youth group to a snow camp, to a winter retreat. Uh, I need a bus driver. Would you drive the youth group? In the bu-? And I was only 19. Mm. So then all of a sudden I have an old bus load of teenagers <laughs> that I drive into up into New York State to go to a snow camp at a at a Christian camp. And he said, You don't have to do anything else. All your only responsibility is gonna be just drive them up there safely and drive them home safely. Mm. You don't have to be a counselor, you don't have to do any anything else. So I sat in that um in that meeting and I just kind of sat in the back and listened to the pastor preach. And he's talking about how God has a plan for your life. And most of God's plan for your life is written down in his word mm-hmm. because it tells us how we should treat one another and how we should, um, you know, the relationship where you should have with him and, and all of those kind of things. And I remember sitting there going, yeah, I don't know any of that stuff. Mm. Like I had heard a few Sunday school lessons and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but but I didn't know the difference between Adam and Abraham. Like I, you know, yeah, I, they were just Bible characters, right? So, uh, so I remember coming home and, and talking to my pastor and saying, hey, I'm, I'm out of high school now. I'm, I'm trying to make a life for myself. I'm trying to figure out what God's plan is for my life. This guy says it's written down in his word. I need somebody to help me study. I need somebody to help me learn what the Bible has to say about my life. Mm-hmm. And so for about, I don't know, year and a half or two years, uh, twice a week, I'd go down past Joe's office and we'd uh, open the Bible and he'd have another passage for me to read and we'd read it together and then he'd say, so what? Mm. So what does that mean today? Like, how can we apply this passage that we just read? How does that apply to your life here in uh, in your situation, and help he helped me learn to be able to take the scriptures, read them to to glean knowledge out of them that I could apply in my life, and so that was my first real. My pastor Joe was the one that taught me how to study the Bible and and, and walk through it like that. But that, uh, but there were a lot of people prior to that that. Uh, just spent some time with me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the keys that there, there's a couple of things that I pick up out of this that we've talked about before. Um, but uh, well, neither one of you in your, either of your stories talked about a program that you went through. Nope. Right. With the disciple makers, those didn't stick out to you. Nope. Right. Um, the, the relationship and the time spent with you is what was the thing that made the impact. Correct. Right. right? Um, and I think that's encouraging for people that are are out there who don't really know what to say. They don't really know how to say it. They don't have all, they're not 
they're not pastors. They're not going to stand up on the on the stage and, and preach a message to to people. They're not evangelists to go out of the street corner. But um, the the most impactful thing that we do as we make disciples is spend time, build relationships. Go have life. coffee. Yeah. yeah, just do life together. Do life together. Make make the make, find out the answers together. Serve together. Right. Be in community together, and, and invite them along with you in that community, and, and walk alongside with them and give them opportunities. Right. right? Um, and then the the second thing that I you know that we pick up in these stories is that when you were talking about the bus ministry and the youth leaders and the people, there's all kinds of different roles that all made that possible. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. So there's a, there's a, there's a person who's doing puppets on the bus. There's a person who's driving the bus. There's the guy that's working on the bus before the bus even leaves that might not even be, Absolutely. have anything to do with kids or uh, anything with it, but he's a part of making disciples in that, yeah. in that role. So I, you know, I, I have opportunity now often to speak at churches and to talk to them and coach them in their disciple making efforts. And one of the things I always tell, I tell the story of the bus ministry and I talk about, um, everybody on that bus ministry, they were just ordinary people doing some little job that they knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Like working on the bus or we have one guy who showed up at like 6 a.m. every Sunday morning to pump gas by hand out of a tank to fill the bus and get them on and get them warmed up, get them ready to go, especially in the wintertime. I mean, that's me. It's cold. Yeah. They, you know, they need to be warmed up. And so he would, that was his job was to get there early in the morning, get them, get them going and, and ready for the drivers when the bus driver showed up to, to be able to just jump in and take off. But, but let's face it, your favorite the your favorite part of that ministry was the the little lady who made the cookies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean we, there was there was an older lady who came when they first started the bus and she said, I can't do anything. I can't ride a bus. I'm I'm eighty five years old. She said, I can pray for you, but will you need snacks for the bus kids? Of course. So every week she would bake dozens and dozens of cookies and she would keep the church <laughs> freezer full so that we could, they could right. go grab a box of book cookies and have snacks on the way home. That's and awesome. she was 85. And she made the best sugar cookies, right? And so for a little kid, I didn't ride the bus because I had this deep sense of, of uh, that I needed to know Jesus and I needed to grow in my shape. That wasn't it at all. It was boring at my house on Sundays. Mm. And... I could ride this bus and it was exciting. And there were people there who loved me mm. and cared to me. And they had great snacks. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, at that age in my life, those things are are super important. Mm-hmm. And I think they still are. And, and I want to go back to something you mentioned a little bit ago uh, about programs, right? Uh, so if, in my ministry... Uh, a lot of people look at our ministry as a program. We got to learn how to run this program. Yeah, and, and I think that's a huge mistake that a lot of us get made back in the you know seventies, eighties, and nineties, and is that we focused on we got a lot of great programs. And now, before I too, uh, uh, you know, to to download programs, yeah. programs are important. Yeah. Programs keep us organized and programs provide material for us to use and they keep things structured. And you can look at, for example, a scoped sequence of what's being taught. So you make sure that you're teaching all these things at an appropriate time. All that stuff happens within the context of a program. And so, yes, I, I think programs are great, but but it's the relationships and the ministry opportunities that we have within those programs that's where ministry happens. Yeah. Discipleship always happens within the context of relationship. Absolutely. Whether you're talking uh, adult ministry or kids ministry, it always happens in the context of relationship. If kids don't know, uh, if they don't know you, they're not going to listen to you. You have to build that relationship with them first. If you walk out here on the street, start talking to an adult, if they don't know you, they're not really going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. But once you build that relationship and 
and maybe you meet some needs or you help them with something, then they'll listen to what you have to say in terms of growing in their faith. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I, I've said before that the, the program, it gives opportunity for disciple making, but it is not, it is not in itself going to make disciples, right? Followers of Jesus make disciples and the program is just a, you know, that, that outline for it. It gives the opportunity for it. Um, uh, so I, I want you to, I, I have the privilege of having been around and have lots of stories that I know. And I have this, I have this, this met this bank of, of Bob Bennett stories. Right. Uh And, uh, so there, there's a, there's a couple stories that I, I have told before, but, um, obviously you tell them better because it happened to you. So I'm going to, I've got a couple, a couple stories I'm going to pull out. Um, one, um, can you tell me the story of the Friday night football game? I learned this, uh, just a few years back, actually, I was sitting there. I didn't know this till I was an adult, but, uh, you, you know, the story I'm talking about. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Uh, go ahead and tell that story, uh, for us of the uh, Friday night football game. Okay. So, uh, when I was in high school, I used to love to go to our, our, you know, uh, school football games. Um, my parents would not let me play football um, because there's too much running back and forth to school and all that kind of stuff. But I love to go and just kind of hang out with the other kids and 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 do that kind of stuff. And and so one night uh, we were at uh, a uh, football game, and I think I was a senior, maybe a junior in high school. I don't know. It can't remember exactly. But I had gone to the concession stand, um, and that was another part, favorite part. You see a theme here. Yeah, I like <laughs> oh, sure. um, You so brought I, it out. I didn't say anything about it. It was, both, it was the cold fall night, and I went to the concession stand, and I got two cups of hot chocolate because I was going to take some, uh, somebody a cup of hot chocolate. Mm. And, and I picked them up from the person who handed them to me, and I went to turn around, and a little kid ran into me, a younger you know, kid that was there ran right into me and I spilled it. And I turned around to that kid and I just started laying into him with four letter words and language I shouldn't be using. And, and I just, cause now I'm the big kid mm-hmm. and you're going to pay for this, that you, you know, you, you ran into me, you made me spill my hot chocolate and I wasn't going to hit him, but I was mad at this kid. And, I'm, and as I'm doing all this, I looked up and standing right across the counter, right behind the counter at the concession stand is one of the elders from our church. (laughs) One of the guys that I saw every Sunday morning at church when I rode the bus or when I would drive to church, he would be there. He was a, he was a fixture at our church. Like this guy is a very important part of our church. And I looked up and I saw him standing there. I'm like, Oh man, he just heard all that language. He heard me lose my temper and he was standing there handing me some paper towels because he knew I spilled the hot chocolate and I need to clean up. And so he came around the counter and he helped me clean up and everything. Got you two new cups. Got got me two new cups of hot chocolate and I left. And and the whole time, the rest of that evening, I'm thinking, boy, when I get to church Sunday, he is going to let me have it. Like he is going to tell me how terrible I am that I would use that kind of language and that I would pick on a small kid that just happened to run into me. And, and, um, so I was kind of dreading it and sure enough, Sunday morning came and I, I, you know, went to church and there's Gordon, um, at the church. And I, I came up to him and, and he says, Hey, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm going, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. You know, and I'm thinking he's gonna, He's going to chew me out. Like he's going to tell me how sinful I was and how terrible it was. And, uh, Gordon took me aside and he said, Hey, uh, you know, I, I work as a contractor, uh, doing building houses uh, at remodeling houses. And I work with a group of men and oftentimes things happen. And I, I have the hardest time controlling my tub. Hmm. And he said, I noticed Friday that you have that same problem. And he said, I want to ask you if you'll pray for me. Because now I know that you and I have something in common. We both struggle with controlling our tongue and honoring God with our attitudes and, and things. 
So he said, if you pray for me while I'm at work, and, and I won't lose my temper, and I won't lose my testimony in front of the guys I work with, then I'll pray for you that God will help you to get through that when you're at school or when you're at uh, with with your friends too. And he never once made me feel bad about that. Like he didn't he didn't glorify it either. He didn't say, "Oh, it's okay that you used those words," or but he said, "Look, I have that same problem." <laughs> And I know that we can we can bless each other by praying for each other. Mm-hmm. And so for the next several years, like every once in a while when he would see me, he'd say, Hey, how are you doing with your uh, you know, how how honoring God with your words? And and I would be able to tell him, Hey, I'm I'm struggling with it or I'm work uh, you know, I'm getting better at it or whatever. And and it was just an example to me of a godly man who who could have made me feel really bad about, uh, you know, the sinful person that I am. But, uh, but instead he said, Hey, look, this is something we haven't come. And I can, I can work with this young man and help him grow in his faith to the place where he'll want to honor God with his words. And so, yeah. Yeah. If that, when I hear the story, it, it reminds me of, Gordon had the mind in Philippians 2 when it talks about have this mind, uh, have the same mind as Christ. If there's any encouragement or love, yeah, have the same mind as Christ had. And then it comes right back, like after that, it said, who being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. Gordon was an elder. He was a deacon. He had this position in the church where he could have made you feel awful about the thing the mess up and you already did right like you already you already felt bad about it um but he took himself out of the position to be a human person who had a who had a struggle and could relate and build that relationship and and in so doing make disciples absolutely right in that And, and i think had had gordon taken a different approach with that had he called me aside and said now bob You've got a reputation to uphold. Like you, people know you from our church, and they know you're a Christian, and you shouldn't be using that language. And you know, if, if he had taken that, then that would have pushed me more toward rebelling. Yeah. Like I don't care what you say. I don't care who who are they to judge me. I don't want to, you know, kind of thing. But instead of that, Gordon's just like, hey, you know what? This is something we all we all yeah. struggle with these things. And it also right? it, it also pointed the change towards. God making the change in me and not, I'm working on this. I'm right. going to fix right. this right. attitude. Right. Don't right. pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. I'm yeah. not like going to fix either. this with right. my works and my hard work and my commitment and dedication. Sure. But, uh, God's just, God's still working on me and he still has to work on me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I always love that for a disciple making story. And I've probably shared it a lot of times <laughs> since I've heard it. May or may, oh, yeah. may, or may well, not. You're, you're welcome to that story. You're welcome to yes. <laughs> hey, it's Tim here. I just wanted to jump in for a moment. We want to invite you to participate. While you were listening to this interview, you probably had people pop into your mind who were disciple makers who have impacted you in your walk with Christ. And we would love to hear about them. You can message us on our Salt Shaker Ministries Facebook page or at our website, saltshakerministries.org, and click the button, share your story. We can't wait to hear from you, but for now, let's jump right back into this conversation. So um, the other kind of thing that I like about disciple making that, uh, that, that you're really good at, Mom, you have a gift for it. Okay. Um, and I hopefully you don't make you too nervous. <laughs> but um, when when we talk about these stories of disciple makers, makers in our lives, we have people that have seen through, like when we talk about Gordon, like you see through the the symptomatic thing that we look at to the actual root, like the, the what's the problem, okay. right? And, and to give you an example of what I um, what I'm talking about, when we served at Awana in our church in Windsor, New York, um, we were serving together and there was this family of kids that was just a <laughs> problem family. You already know 
what I'm talking about. But um, they, they just, the kids were just all over the place and they weren't able to like sit and listen. They weren't able to focus. They were everywhere mm -hmm. and they had very, the behavior issues. Correct. But, um, but you were able to, to have the, the, the patience and the intentionality to kind of dig through and have some conversations with mm -hmm. that family to find out that they, that they were having, they didn't have any food. Right. Right? The, right. After Friday, when they got home from school till Sunday, when we had our Awana ministry, they were basically, they was basically themselves. feeding themselves snacks out of the cabinet, basically. Right. And they, that their behavior came from just, I'm really hungry. And so I'll, them, I'll never forget that night that I asked the young, the middle one, um, how come I always have to sit with you and how come we're always having these issues and what can I do to make? And now this took time to get to that spot where I could have that conversation with him. And he said, Mrs. Bennett, I'm just so hungry. I can't behave. Mm. So, so from that, we were able to bring sandwiches in for that family mm -hmm. but then that's that that kind of bore out this whole aspect of our ministry where from that we had and we dinners and we still serve dinner for every family that wants to come in yep. right so this a the kids are fed but then it gives us an opportunity once again just creates another opportunity for relationship in that time so how because there are several stories that we could point to of times where you've had that you can see through the, you have the patience to see through it. Mm -hmm. So how does, is, is that just a, a gift that you have? Or is that something that, that I, I think that there was one disciple, disciple maker who influenced that in my life. But I will say that it is something you have to work on. There's always a cause for behavior. So what's the characteristic it's, that you work? What's the most important characteristic in that to find the root cause like what's the most important thing that you need to have just a discerning eye don't always jump to kids are just bad or adults are just mm -hmm. sinners mm -hmm. um you have you have to look at what's going on in their lives and you have to build that relationship to the place where they'll be honest with you with their answer mm. um I, like I said it's just it's just in getting to know the people you're you're working with whether it be kids, teens, adults, um, look at what's behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And and it may be just something God's allowed me to be able to see in people, but but behavior always has a cause. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes you just have to dig deep. Sometimes you just have to ask the right questions. Um Gordon's wife was the person I was mm. I was <laughs> thinking about. Does that surprise you at all? No, no, <laughs> no. it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Miss, Miss Julianne, to this day, can look at a kid and say, something's going on that's causing this. Mm. Well, the the thing that comes to mind when you mention that, uh, one of the pastors we had uh, a number of years ago at Windsor was, uh, he, he taught me this saying, and, and it's true in, in everybody's life, hurting people hurt people, mm -hmm. right? So if you have somebody that, if you have a kid that has constant behavior issues where they're lashing out at people, if you have an adult who does that, like I've been around church world a lot and there's a lot of mean people in churches out there. There's people that, every church has people that nobody wants to be around, right? But the chances are that that person is hurting yep. or something. Or struggling with something. Or struggling with something that's causing them to lash out at others, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're going to make disciples, part part of making a disciple has to be building a strong enough relationship with that person mm -hmm. that you can get to the place to ask those difficult ask questions. Yeah, I mean, I did. It's not even difficult, but just personal questions. Like, what what is it that that triggers these things for you? Right. Yeah. And, and the night we uh, we had that conversation, he was hiding under a table in the entryway, mm. and that's where he had run because he had gotten in trouble in in song time. And somebody said, "You've just got to go deal with it." So I went and sat down on the floor and said, "What's the deal?" But we had spent many weeks 
sitting him sitting with me because nobody else wanted to deal with him. Yeah. Before he was able to say, I'm just so hungry. One of the characteristics that comes to mind in that is is just having the patience <laughs> to to know that it's not disciple making is not a conversation. It's not gonna happen. It's not a it's one not a one and done. It's not a one and done thing. Right. And and it's gonna take longer, shorter with whoever we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so having the patience to know that that I'm in this for the long long haul, mm-hmm. right? I'm not in. I'm not a behavior modification thing. I'm a disciple maker. And I think sometimes when we're in um, when we're working with people, sometimes our our first instinct or our natural instinct is to uh, correct the behavior that we see and not find the and not find the the right the the thing that is driving that behavior and that's what I kind of wanted to get to is is we we're in behavior walk in a straight line stand up sit down you know do the right things and it becomes this checklist yeah no yeah, the problem with that though is that the Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. Yeah. If that right. were, that would be a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what the Pharisees, uh, yep. you know, they had their list of do's and don'ts, right? And, and that's what Jesus was pushing back and, and pointing out to them, is that, that that's not the Christian life. Like, it's not black and white where you can say, do this, don't do that. If you just do these 10 things, everything will be fine, right? Um because it's not necessary. Yeah, uh, grow when 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 you're looking at somebody at saying, "Hey, is this person growing in their faith?" Sometimes you have to look at it and say, "What's what's stopping them from growing in their faith? When we where where is the disconnect, if there is one, uh, with this person? Why why are they not uh, moving forward in their faith?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also. I had an idea as you were uh, talking here about, um, you know, we said like those people that worked in the bus ministry, they were just ordinary people doing what they knew how to do, right? Mm -hmm. If you sat down with any of them and said, hey, are you a disciple maker? They would be like, no, I'm a bus driver. Yeah. Like, like I'm just doing what I know I need to do. So, um, so I think sometimes God uses us for the long haul with one decide, one person that we're discipling and we're going to be with them for a while and we're we're helping them grow in their faith, right? And then sometimes God just uses us on the spot to do a job that we know we need to do, right? And so all of us need to, all of those of us who know Christ as our Savior, anyone who names the name of Christ needs to be actively serving mm-hmm. in ministry in some capacity. Yeah. Now that means ordinary people doing the things they know how to do, right? Absolutely. So God never called me to be a worship leader, for example, right? Because I can't, you know, I always say I love to sing, but nobody likes to listen. And so, <laughs> um, so I, I can't do that job, right? But I can drive the bus, or I could, uh, you know, I could fix stuff, or I can yeah. do. There's certain things I can do, and and that's my service to the Lord. But I may have opportunity to be a disciple maker where I just let somebody come along with me while yeah. I'm doing that job that I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. One of my one person that that was a disciple maker in my life was also my boss uh, when I was a teenager and I worked on the farm in Western PA. There, uh, I got up every morning and dro- rode my bike to down to his farm so I could do chores. And then I ride home and get a shower and catch the school bus and go to school and do it again in the evening, right? And and his name was George. And George would, you know, he he was a disciple maker in the sense that that he let me come and and, and hang out with him and do stuff. And and even over and above doing the chores, he would say to me sometimes, "Hey, I have to go. I have to go do this. I have to go to town and pick up some supplies. I want to ride along." So I'm just riding along in the truck with him while we go in town and get supplies. But he's constantly talking to me about life and about, yeah. um, you know, it, about how to live life in a in a good, positive way, right? Yeah. And and so I think sometimes we can get too caught up in, oh, am I going to disciple this person? Mm-hmm. When really all we need to do is say, hey, who could I take with me when I go to the store yeah. this time? Mm-hmm. Just create. 
create space in it's your life for like, to, to come alongside. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it's important for us to talk about the, the two scenarios that you're like the intersection of, right? One of them, both of them had the church involved. And one of them we talked about already with, um, with, with your mom, right? Grandma, who was hurt by the church and the attitude in the church and the culture in the church and her family had it not been for the bus ministry, right? Her family dynamic and that would have, would have not gone closer to Christ. Right. It would have been further away from Christ. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, because of the, not, not because of God and not because of the relationship or the Bible or any of it, but because of the attitude and the culture in the church was not a disciple making. Correct. So I'm sure where we're bringing people along with us. Right. Um, but then the culture that was around when the bus ministry happened was a culture of disciple making and bringing people along and showing you, you've mentioned several times that you felt that people loved you and cared about you and wanted you to be around. Sure. And, and that attitude in that culture has now led to that, that intersection of the family where now we're all serving. Mm-hmm. Yes. Christ. Praise the Lord. And, yes. and, 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 Unless, like, as as long as God's God leaves us here, our family will be serving Christ, right? Right. Yeah. And and I hope so, so. So that, um, but it was affected by that disciple making, loving c- culture of that church, and it's very that that that's how important it is for the not just for that individual that you might be disciple making, right. but for their their family that their family have correct right right so in in my mom's case right she was made to go to church as a kid her parents were like we just have to have her in the door every time the doors open everything will be fine right but so her parents my my grandparents were not disciple makers right they they just took her to church and everything's gonna be okay right Mm -hmm. And, and mom never really, mom would, mom would, and did tell me that she had trusted Jesus as her savior. Like she, that, that was a very personal thing between her and God, but then she couldn't get along with the people at the church because of all the rules they had and all the, was a very legalistic situation and and whatnot. I don't want to go into all those details, but they turned her off as a, as a teenager and a young young they lady didn't disciple well they 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 just turned her off right and and so uh, my mom had a little bit of a wild side and uh, she wanted to go to dances and things I can remember this is the 1930s or 40s in that era and you know in the church she just didn't do those yeah, things yeah. and and so their solution as to how to help her have a more godly light is that we will, um, nobody in the church will speak to her. They, um, they call that uh, shunning. shunning. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to shun this young lady. Nobody in the church is going to speak to her and she'll realize the error of her ways and she'll want to come back into the, the, you know, the congregation. Right. But Un- unlike when you were a wild child and Gordon dealt with you, he exactly. will come to you back in. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So they, that's where we're uh, trying to get is the difference in the two. Right. So yeah. my mom, but my mom took the approach that if they don't want to talk to me, I don't want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just never going to step foot in that church again. Right. right. That, that was that was her way of dealing with the thing. And when my mom, later years, when my mom was... Uh, elderly getting ready to pass away she had cancer and we knew it was going to be terminal the doctors had told her you know a few weeks to a few months and and i remember when mom gave me her bibles Mm. one night we were there at the house um actually dorinda had moved in with her to be able to care for her uh in those uh for those that short period of time and we were there and mom brought her bible up she handed it to me and she said, you're probably the only one in our family that would be interested in this, but I want somebody to have it. 
and I took her Bible. I started, you know, just kind of leafing through it. And of course she had, she had some verses underlined and she had uh, highlighted a little bit in it. And I noticed in the margins, she had some people's names written in there. And I asked mom, I said, mom, what's, I see so-and-so's name written here in this margin. She said, you know, when I was reading that verse, I thought of that person mm. and I thought I need to start praying that verse for that. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, who are you? And what did you do with my mom? Because my mom, the whole time I was growing up, she never showed me that kind of faith. Yeah. But she had it, but she wasn't able to get over her hurt and her dislike for the people at the church. Yeah. In order to get into a situation where she was could be serving well and, and living out her faith. So my mom just internalized all of her faith. And she told me, I, I read my Bible every night. What are you talking about? Like, I, I've read my Bible for years every night. Mm. And, and I pray every night. Hmm. And I'm going, really? I mean, like, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Like, all my whole teenage years and hmm. young married life, like, I didn't know any of that because that was not the persona that mom put out there. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, so I, I, I tell that story sometimes to help people understand that when you're, when you're working with people and, and we're, when we're talking about discipleship, had someone come along and been able to build a relationship with my mom and, and disciple her a little bit, mom could have been a very productive member of the church. Yeah. Like she could have been there. She could have, she could have been serving the Lord and living out her faith in, in, in the church and been a benefit to so many people, mm -hmm. but nobody did that. Yeah. All they did was turn her off. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where, when you come back to the stories about like Gordon, when he took me aside, he didn't turn me off. He drew me in. Yeah. And so now that I made the chairs. Yep. And, and you mentioned earlier, our family served in the Lord. So, so the, the story I like to tell people about that is that, uh, you know, those people that, that ran that bus ministry way back then, mm -hmm. uh, by the way, um, the pastor that was there at the time, I've talked to him several times since, and he told me that starting that bus ministry almost split the church. Yeah. He had people that were very adamant that they thought that was a waste of time mm -hmm. and a waste of God's money to buy a bus and go out, pick up all these snotty nosed kids and bring them in here. They don't know how to act in God's house and they don't appreciate it anyway. And why should we be doing this? Right. And, and so, so it was a struggle for them to get that bus ministry up and running. And, and yet they did, they persevered. They worked through that. They, they worked through their issues. They got a bus ministry going. They reached out to people they reached out to me. So when I look at it, like, okay, now I've, I've grown in my faith and that put me in a position where I could meet a godly woman and, and marry her and, and start our own family so that it put us in a position where our sons, you and, and Bill could hear about Jesus and grow in your faith that we could, we could, disciple you and move you along in your faith as um as we had opportunity to do that right and so now both of you are serving the lord in various ministries <laughs> and so the fruit that comes from my ministry and from your ministry and from your brother's ministry all the fruit for that has the credit for that has to go back to those people that started a bus ministry mm -hmm. So, so there's three of us, three, three guys in the Bennett family that are leading ministries, but we have six grandkids, right? <laughs> and so Dren and I now are, are saying, how can we influence those grandkids? Like, how can we help them understand how God has made them and how God's calling them to do ministry? Because we want to see all six grandkids serving the Lord mm -hmm. and somehow doing ministry somehow. Now, yeah, that may be full time ministry, but it'd be part time ministry. Might be baking cookies for the snacks on the bus. That's on the bus. Yeah, but but we want them to love the Lord and uh, and to follow whatever direction He has for them mm -hmm. uh, in their lives. And and the credit, the fruit that they produce, will then continue in my, in my mind continues to go back to those people 
who were just ordinary people doing what they felt like God was calling them to do and start a bus ministry. <laughs> so there are people maybe listening to this podcast who are like, well, I can't run a ministry. Like, I don't know how to, I can't even run a program. Like, I, I don't know how to do all that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if you can, if you can pray about it and figure out what, what's the next step God's leading me to do? Like, who can I spend some time with today? Who could I disciple today? Who can I work with today? And then you don't know what God's going to do with it. The fruit from that then will abound to your account as you, um, you know, as, as God works through your life and you disciple someone and they disciple others. And eventually we have a number of people serving who are all there because you took the time to build a relationship somewhere. You took the time to build a relationship and, and reach out and do something, um, out of your comfort zone a little bit, but you let, you allowed them to share your life a bit and you brought them along in their faith. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great way for us to kind of round out that conversation because it's a good challenge for just everyone to, to find out what God has for you, find out where he's placed you. And that is, that is, your role in making disciples and and then allow him to work with it how he he will right it it might be making the snacks for the bus ministry or i mean she was a very important part of what happened yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah. or it might be uh preaching on sunday morning like god Absolutely. might be calling you to be an evangelist or a pastor or whatever like yeah. I, I the the thing is all of that's a personal thing between us and God, all of yeah. us have to settle that and say, okay, yeah. God, how have you made me and what can I accomplish for you? Sure. And who can I take with me? And who can I take with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That was such an impactful conversation for disciple making. We are praying that you were as blessed by the conversation as we were when we recorded it. This conversation was packed so full of practical ways that you could run with in your life as you seek to follow God's calling in your life to go and make disciples. And we want to help you see that the most important thing is not what role you serve in, but that you are serving someone somewhere in a church or maybe your family or your workplace. And that as you are serving, you are building relationships and bringing someone along with you saying, follow me as I follow Christ right this way. We are so thankful for you and grateful for the listeners and for the response that we have gotten so far. This has been such a fun journey for us, and we are praying it has been a blessing to you as well. Reach out and let us know how this podcast has helped, maybe give you some new insights or tools, or maybe just a fresh perspective on disciple making. And don't forget to follow this podcast, and we would be so honored if you would take just a few minutes to write a review for us. Thank you so much again, and we will see you next time. Thank you.